What name could contain such a glory? For he was mighty God as the universe gasped into being. For this is our wonderful counselor. This is our mighty God. This is our everlasting father, our prince of peace. What name could contain Emmanuel, God with us, Yahweh, the great I am. We bow to the name that holds every other in its matchless worth. What name could contain such a glory? What name but Jesus? Good morning, everyone. Y'all ready to do it one more time in this space before we move next week? Danielle told me this week, she read an article, she said like an asteroid's going to pass by like 2.5 million light years or whatever from Earth this week, pretty close. And I said, you know, like I hope it hits us. Um, And she said, like, are you crazy? And I said, no, like... I don't think about moving to a new building. I think about moving to heaven. Um, And if we can all go together, it's like, let's go. Now, if it doesn't, if we're not all destroyed by an asteroid um, this week, we are moving next week across the hallway. So um, you already heard it mentioned, 845 and 1030. Y'all are free to show up at 8 o'clock if you want. Our coffee shop should be open. Um, As you walk today and kind of look at... Just look at the building as it is. You're going to see these black coffee carts all over the place. That's going to be free coffee for those of you who just like drip coffee. For those of you who want fancy coffee, the coffee shop um, should be open. The furniture is going to be out. So, man, come and hang out with us. Uh, They wanted me to tell you, again, remember the new entry points, the places that you've walked into the church for the past five years. You're not going to be able to walk in because those are going to be in secure children's areas. You're going to have to come in the two big doors or on the northeast corner. Um, And that Sunday, Wednesday night, is, is kind of our big night, our building dedication, 7 p.m. I hope you'll be able to come and celebrate with us. It's going to be an incredible uh, evening. We've got an after party planned afterwards. It's going to be 74 degrees at this point is the forecast for Wednesday night, not just the warmer, not, not just the warmest December 15th in the history of Kansas City. If it hits 74, it'll be the warmest day in December in the history of Kansas City since they started keeping records. They started keeping records in the 1880s, so it'll be the hottest day ever. So on that day, we'll be thankful for global warming. And then it's going to get cold before Christmas, but it's going to be an incredible night. Remember, we have very limited child care. If you can't find a babysitter and you need someone to take care of kids under the age of five, you can text that number on the screen, and we'll get you, um, we'll get you taken care of if we're able to. But we want all of our staff, all of our volunteers to be able to celebrate. Come on Wednesday night. It's going to be an incredible, incredible night. But today we're having church right here. Here in this place, John chapter 1, if you have your Bible, go ahead and open it up to John 1, grab your notes so that you can follow along. We're in a series called Christmas A Journey, and here's the point of the series. We're trying to understand Jesus more clearly as the God who came down. Somebody say, God came down. That's the big idea of Christmas. God came down to earth. Here's the big idea of our message today. We want to see the ministry of Jesus in the opening phrase of the Bible, let there be light. If there's anything from John chapter 1 that has found its way into every corner of the globe as people celebrate Christmas, it's lights. You can see it in your neighborhood. I can see it in mine. As someone who loves Christmas, I love Christmas lights. My dad, when I was in middle school, let me start climbing the ladder and putting lights on our house um, as a 13, 14-year-old, and I have never not put up lights since. It is my favorite thing to do. Every Christmas, Danielle and I glance back at one of our light stories from 2003. So let me show you a picture of the young me with my little boy putting up Christmas lights in 2003. 
those lights up there? What time of year is it? Oh, and yesterday, who did we talk to? Oh, good. What'd you tell him? What did you want for Christmas? Um, football stuff. Football stuff? Football stuff? What else? Um, uh, baseball. Baseball oh, stuff? Yeah. What else? Fire truck stuff. Fire truck stuff? Okay, well then. So, Danielle wasn't 13 when we got married. She just sounds very young um, in every video that we've ever taken. Football stuff? Like, I still, every Christmas, want football stuff and maybe baseball stuff from Danielle. I'm done with fire truck stuff. But, like, every year we go put up lights. My son has not caught the Christmas bug. My daughter has. She is ready to celebrate Christmas and decorate the day after Halloween. It's just in our blood and it's in our family. And listen, lights are in the world. You will never celebrate a Christmas season anywhere without lights in the world. And I want you from this message forward, every time you see Christmas lights, to think about Jesus. Because he is the light of the world, and he was introduced at Christmas as being the light of the world. So as we read John chapter 1, we never dig into scripture without stopping to pray. So would you pray with me this morning? Take a deep breath. And just ask God to speak to your heart this morning to reveal Jesus to you more clearly. Speak to us today, Lord, we're listening. God, your first recorded words in Scripture were, let there be light. Today, John will tell us that that light was Jesus. So help us this Christmas, each time we see the lights, to think about Jesus for the rest of our life because of what we learned today. That's our prayer. And we ask it in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14 is our text this December. Last week, we talked about Jesus as the word of life. Today, we talk about him as the light of the world. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or of a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and full of truth. This month at Journey, we're celebrating Christmas as the time that God came down. And we're looking at the deity of Jesus in John chapter 1 as three things. The Word. Jesus was the Word of God. We saw last week that He is the incarnation God put on flesh. We're going to see this week that Jesus is the light of God. He is the illumination. He's, a, he's what allows our spirits to wake up and understand who God is and what God's plan for us is. Next week, we'll look at Jesus as the dwelling of God. We'll see an invitation 
to literally live in relationship and be one with God. That is John chapter 1. Jesus says the word of God, the light of God, and the dwelling of God. Last week we talked about the word of God. Today we'll be in part two, Jesus as the light of God. And as we look through Jesus being the light, we're going to see three things. And we're going to end our service today by taking communion and looking at Jesus on the cross in the tomb, resurrected. But we're going to start by looking at Jesus as the light of the world. What are we going to learn? Three things. Number one, we're going to see Jesus as the life of the light. We're going to see Jesus bringing life through the light. That's how John begins his book. Jesus is the light that brings life. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The darkness shines in the darkness. The the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So we said as we read John last week that anyone who studies a little bit of Scripture knows that that, that John is basically summarizing Genesis chapter 1 in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. He uses the exact same three words to start his book as Moses does in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God. He talks about God being a creator of everything that's been made, the heavens and the earth. He talks about there being darkness, but God speaking light into that darkness. And by the time we get to the end of Genesis chapter 1, mankind has been created in the image of God. So John basically said, let's go back to the very, very beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and it was really dark, but God spoke his light and his life into that world so that mankind could exist in relationship with God. So John is summarizing the beginning. Genesis 1 is the origins of the world. John chapter 1 are the origins of life. And he said the origin of life is the light that's going to bring life to the world. And what we're going to learn is the light of life in the creation account in Genesis chapter 1, the light of life in the recreation account of Revelation 21 and 22 paints a beautiful picture of Jesus. Now, if you've never just done a quick summary of the Bible, maybe you don't know that Genesis chapter 1 and Revelation chapter 22 are almost the exact same picture. Genesis chapter 1, God creates the heavens and the earth, and by the time we get to the end, we see a world of perfection with humanity existing with God. In Revelation chapter 22, God fixes everything that got broken between Genesis 1 and Revelation 22. As a matter of fact, the top of your Bible, probably like mine in Revelation 22, is titled the New Eden. God puts everything broken back together in Revelation chapter 22. And both Genesis chapter 1 and Revelation chapter 22 have the world as it should be. But John says Jesus is at the center. And when we look at the creation account and the recreation account, we see seven things that God provides for us. In the seven days of creation, they're all present again in Revelation 21 and 22 in the great eternal kingdom. But all of them symbolize Jesus according to John. Genesis shows us the perfect world. Revelation 22 shows us the perfect world. And right in the middle, John chapter 1, John says both of those things were made possible by Jesus. So on day one, God said, let there be light. It was a world of darkness until God showed up and it symbolized his presence being with us. In Revelation 22, 5, we're told we don't need the sun in eternity because God is there and there is no darkness. On day two, God said, let's take the waters and divide the waters below from the waters above. So there's a place in between that will support life for people, this thing that we call an atmosphere. 
In Revelation 21.3, we're told that the eternal kingdom has God and man together. It is a place where God and man can be together. On day three, we're told that God said, between those two waters, let's put some land and let's have that land grow stuff that will provide for mankind. So we see on day three, God providing for humanity, who's not even here yet, but God says, we need to make sure we build something that supports them having life. In Revelation 22, 2, we read there are trees in the kingdom of God that bear fruit almost every day to take care of people who have needs. On day four, we see perspective. God said, let's put lights in the sky during the days and at nights, not to serve as light, but to serve as signs that somebody is behind this and that somebody lightens darkness and that somebody shows the way. Let's put some perspective in place so that people know who I am and what I'm doing. In Revelation 21, 23, we're told that in eternity, we finally fully grasp the glory of God and the lamb and who he is. On day five, we see God create things that are alive and that have life. Birds in the air, fish in the sea. God said, let's show our power by being able to create living things that can reproduce. And Jesus is the power that allows us to know God. On day six, God says, we're going to create purpose for humanity. So he populates the earth, but the sole purpose of populating the earth is so that when humanity comes, they will have something to do that will allow them to serve God. And in Revelation 22, 3, we see that what we do in eternity is we serve God night and day. And then on day seven, there was perfection. So God said, let's just rest and enjoy everything that we have. In Revelation 22, 3, we're told the curse is lifted, nothing is broken, everything is perfect. Genesis chapter 1, the first page of the Bible. Revelation 22, the last page of the Bible. Create a perfect creation and a perfect recreation. And in John chapter 1, John says both of those things are made possible by Jesus He is the presence of God. He told us he'll prepare a place for us. He provides all that we need spiritually. He helps us have spiritual perspective so we walk by faith and not by sight. He gave us the power that resided in him that raised him from the dead through his Holy Spirit to live in us. He's given us purpose and gifts to serve him in his world and he will one day give us perfect rest. Everybody say Jesus. See, the world began with Jesus and the world ends with Jesus. And John says, when you find him, your life really begins because Jesus does all of these things. John would say in verse four, in him was the life and that life was the light of all mankind. Somebody say life. Two Greek words for life. One is bios. It means physical life. One is zoe. It means spiritual or eternal or metaphysical life. Bios is physical life. Zoe is spiritual life. We're told in Genesis 1 that there was the world, Bios, physically alive. And then God spoke light and it became Zoe. It became alive spiritually. We're told in Genesis chapter 1 that there was humanity, a human body laying on the ground, but it was Bios. It was physical until God breathed life into it. And then it became a spiritual being. So there's physical life and there's spiritual life. And what we're told is that Jesus brings Zoe. He brings life to the fullest. That's a word in the Greek language. In him was the Zoe, the life. Life to the fullest is what Jesus offers in John 10.10. Life to the fullest is what Jesus brings. And folks, this is what Christmas means. 
that Jesus offers spiritual, eternal life to those who will receive him. So we see Jesus as the life that is behind the light. But then John tells us that the reception to the light is something that we need to pay attention to. And he's going to tell us that Jesus was received in three ways 2,000 years ago, really the exact same way Jesus is being received today. He says in verses 9 through 13, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but those who are born of God. So we see the reception to the light really being three things. First, we see there was a recognition problem. He was in the world, but the world didn't know, didn't know who he was. Then there was a rejection problem. Those people who he specifically came to knew who he was, but rejected him. But then there's a receiving promise. When people recognize him and don't reject him, here's what they get through receiving him. So we have all of these things in our world today. In your cul-de-sac, in your neighborhood, maybe in your family, maybe in your house, these three things are going on. For some, there's a recognition problem. For some right now, there's a rejection problem. And for many, there is a receiving promise. So let's just look at these one at a time. Let's look at the recognition problem. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And he was in the world. And even though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. There was a recognition problem. The the word for world is cosmos. John is talking about the physical earth, the whole of humanity. And he's talking about culture, the sinful and broken nature of reality. John is basically saying, and let me put it in 2021 terms, our city, this place, these people, the reality that we're living in in 2021, it's all broken. That's the word cosmos. This place, these people, our culture right now, that's cosmos. The world around us is broken. And John says the broken world sometimes struggles to recognize Jesus. For many, God seems very, very far away, if real at all. And John says the goal of those who have the light is to help other people see it. Our goal is not only to draw closer to the light, but to live in such a way that it allows others to draw closer to the light. Somebody say eyeglasses. Eyeglasses. Somebody say sunglasses. All of us are one of those. Eyeglasses allow you to see things more clearly. Sunglasses kind of take the light down a few notches. And this week, you were either eyeglasses or sunglasses spiritually to someone who's struggling to recognize Jesus. You live life in such a way that you clarified a little bit about who Jesus was and what's going on in the world and what's going on in eternity. Like some of you this week were eyeglasses, and when people saw you, they saw a way clearer picture of Jesus than they ever saw before. And some of you this week, by your habits, by your actions, by your social media posts, were sunglasses. And any light that may have been coming off of you in your life and your story and your testimony was dimmed because you did something this week to take the light of Jesus and you just took it down a few notches. John says there's a recognition problem in the world. So make sure you live your life as eyeglasses. Make sure that when people see you in your life that it clarifies for them, makes it real crisp 
brings into focus who Jesus can be. And don't ever be a pair of sunglasses where people are able to just kind of ignore who Jesus is and what he's trying to do in their life because you allow them to kind of be shaded from the truth of who Jesus really is. John said there's a recognition problem. But then he said, number two, that there's a rejection problem. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. The Jewish leaders of the day, who John is specifically referencing here, they did not have a recognition problem. As a matter of fact, if you were to ask them, why did you crucify Jesus? They would have said, because he said he's the Messiah. They clearly recognized who Jesus said he was and what Jesus said he had come to do. And they did not want any part of that. You say, why would they reject him? Great question. The Jewish leaders rejected Jesus' message because they rejected Jesus' authority. They were willing to accept the part of Jesus that they wanted. They were just in a place where they rejected the part of Jesus that they didn't want. And folks, this is still happening in the church in 2021. There are a lot of people who want to accept the parts of Jesus that are very, very easy for them and reject the part of Jesus that is very, very difficult for them. And we have to make sure that we are never a people And we are never a church that accepts all the good that Jesus gives us and rejects all the hard that Jesus gives us because that was a reality 2,000 years ago and it continues to be a reality today. But if we recognize him and if we don't reject him, John says we have a receiving promise to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name. He gave them the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but children who were born of God. I love this thought here when John says, for all who received him. The Greek word received is lambano. It means to take hold of, to obtain, to grasp. It's a picture of somebody, uh, like if you've ever been skiing with someone who doesn't know how to ski... The first thing you're going to tell them is, hey, if you don't get up, let go of the rope. Uh, Because if someone doesn't get up on skis and they continue in the water to hold on to the rope, they're going to get like quite a mouthful of water. This word is a picture of someone hanging on to the rope while the boat is still pulling them forward. It's someone who refuses to let go. John says for people who grab onto Jesus and refuse to let go during the most difficult times in their life, For people who will grab onto Jesus and refuse to let go, those are going to be people who are called children of God. Those who believe his claim that he is the Savior of the world, they become his spiritual sons and daughters. Those who receive the invitation are born of God. And I love what John says. This is not a family deal. You you don't have Jesus because everyone else in your family does. He says this is not an ethnic or a national deal. You don't have Jesus because you were born in America. You don't, you don't grab onto God because your money says in God we trust. It's not a national or an ethnic deal. It's not an intellectual deal. He said, like, humans don't decide this on their own. It's not a religious system people make up so that we can work our way to God. It's God's plan, God's invitation, and our choice to either receive or reject becoming God's children. God came down. God came down so that we could recognize him and either receive him or reject him. But John said, all who receive him don't just become children of God. They become, number three, witnesses to the light. They don't just become children of God. They become witnesses to the light. And you say, what exactly does that look like, Christian? Well, we meet a guy who 
shows us. There was a man from God whose name was John. This is John the baptizer, not the guy John who wrote this book. Several guys named John, very, very popular name in first century kind of Judaism. For those of you pretty new to the Bible, a disciple named John wrote this book. This is John the baptizer. He would have been Jesus' cousin, six months older than Jesus. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Everybody say witness. Witness. Interesting Greek word. It's the word materia. It means to give your life for something. It is the word we get the English word martyr from. John was not Jesus, but he gave his life to let people know who Jesus was. Now, probably in America, in this generation, probably, most of us will not have to be martyrs to prove that we believe who Jesus is. Even though statistics tell us that more people were martyred for their faith in 2020 than any previous year in history, more people around the globe last year were killed because they believe in Jesus last year than any year, including any of the biblical years, and 2021 will top 2020 because the world is broken. This place, these people, what's good? like it's broken. We're living in a space and time that's probably not going to be our story. I don't know that I could guarantee that for our kids and our grandkids watching the trajectory of where our country is going and the attitude towards orthodox Christianity and biblical truth. I don't know that 100 years from now I could say this, but I don't think we will have to physically give our lives The question is, will we even spiritually give our lives? Like, will we do anything in life to let people know that we're with Jesus? Not will we die in a way that helps people know that we love Jesus, but will we live in a way that helps people know we love Jesus? Will we operate on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday in a way that lets people know we love Jesus? Will we serve in our community and around our world in a way that lets people know that we love Jesus? Will we refuse things that people offer us in such a way that lets them know that we love Jesus? Like, not will we give our life in death, but will we give our life in life to help people know who Jesus is? You say, Christian, man, I want to do that. Like, more than anything, I want to do that. How do I do that? You know, it's interesting. The first thing that Jesus asked his followers to do is to tell the world they're with him. And we do that through the act of baptism. We will, tomorrow, we will next Sunday celebrate our year-end Christmas baptisms. And in your bulletin, you've got this little card that says 2021 Christmas baptisms. If you didn't grab a bulletin, you can text that number, Journey Baptism 474747. It'll send you this link. Like Jesus says, the first thing I want you to do when you become a follower of Jesus is tell the world. You say, well, that would, that would make things uncomfortable for me. You have been called to be a marturia. You say, I've been called to die so that people know Jesus. No, you've been called to live in such a way that people might know Jesus. And if you've not been baptized yet, maybe it's next Sunday. Maybe it's next year at some point. But if you're a follower of Jesus who's not been publicly baptized, you need to know you're being called to be a marturia. And it is easier to go under the water and come out alive than to undergo what so many people around the world are doing. But we are called as Jesus followers to give our life as a witness. Baptism is one way to do that. If you haven't been baptized yet, man, I'd encourage you next Sunday, tell your story, make your statement to the world, I'm with Jesus. But be a, if you've received the light, be a witness to the light. We have two wonderful opportunities for you to be a witness to the light. One are our Christmas weekend services. 
survey a few years ago. I, I, I cite this for the past few years. 82% of people who do not go to church and do not consider themselves Christians said that they would say yes if one of their friends invited them to church on Christmas because they believe people are supposed to go to church on Christmas and it would make the holiday more special. Eight out of ten of your friends who, and family members who don't go to church anywhere would say yes to Christmas because it's Christmas and that's what you do. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you've received the light, you're now supposed to be a witness to the light. So bring somebody with you. Choose your service. Make it hard on them. Tell them what time you'll be at their house. Pick them up. Bring them with you. Sit with them. Take them out for coffee afterwards and say, hey, how'd you like it? Do you want to come back? Do you think we're nuts? Like, just give them an opportunity to talk. And then wish them Merry Christmas. Be a witness to the light. If not Christmas, I want to encourage us. We've been doing invite people to our grand opening January 9th. This is kind of our official public grand opening after we hopefully work the kinks out of our building a little bit and get it ready for the community to come. Man, don't come alone this day. God's given you a wonderful opportunity. You're interacting with people every week that you're thinking, man, if they only knew Jesus, things could be different. This is your opportunity. This is your opportunity to invite them to hear who Jesus is. And maybe, just maybe, God will open up their eyes and even though their entire life they've had a recognition problem, maybe they'll receive the promise because you were a witness to the light. You say, Christian, is this really important? Like, do you really believe it's necessary to leverage Christmas and to leverage a new building? I do. You say, why? Because we're still living in Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. You say, why is it necessary to be a witness? Because darkness and emptiness is still hovering in our community. And Jesus still gives life. Amen? Darkness and emptiness is still hovering. Like we haven't moved much. Darkness and emptiness is still hovering. And Jesus still brings life. Amen? We got to tell people. We gotta be, if we've received the light, we become witnesses to the light, Marturia. Probably not time to give our physical life, but time to give our spiritual life so people might know who Jesus is. We've been doing it for just a little over five years in this space. Next week, Lord willing, we're gonna transition across the atrium. If a meteor doesn't blow us all up or something else crazy happens, we'll start doing church in a different space. But I just wanted to end this service by just reflecting a little bit on who God has been the last five years and saying thank you to Jesus before we close this season of ministry and we open another season of ministry. Every Sunday that I've preached on this stage, I stand on top of this verse. And I know it's here because I wrote it myself in Sharpie before they painted the stage, right where I stand. Zechariah 4.10, do not despise these small beginnings. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. We were a church of several hundred people meeting in a big gym in Summit Lakes Middle School in the beginning of 2015 and 2016 before we built this building. And I'll never forget as they started putting up frame and steel, every time I walked through this building, I told Danielle, man, it feels a little small. <laughs> like, you sure like this is going to be big enough to do what God wants to do? And I just remember thinking like, Lord are we really going to be able to do what you've called us to do in this space? Like, I know we built as much as we could, but it's not much. And in the summer of 2016, God gave me this verse in my devotional time out of the New Living Translation. Don't despise, despise small beginnings because God delights to see a thing begin. 
And I thought, you know, every time I get up in this auditorium, it's going to be way too small for us to do church the way we want to. I'm going to remember that God delights in small beginnings. So I wrote it. It's, it's on the stage. I stand on top of this verse every Sunday when I preach. In the last five years, God has delighted in the ministry of journey that's happened in this little space. Several thousand people have acknowledged making spiritual decisions the last five years in this room. 487 of those have been baptized in the last five, just the last five years. Most of them in this room. 229 individuals from our congregation have served on the global mission field just since we started doing church in this room five years ago. More than 100 families have dedicated their children to God on this stage. $2.1 million of your giving in this room has been invested in local and global outreach and church planning. And more than 1,500 adults have served more than 40,000 meals consisting in just under 100,000 pounds of food in our community from this space. Small beginnings. A God who delights to let us have impact. And I don't know how to move out of a sacred space without saying thank you to Jesus in a way that's better than taking communion together. So I'm going to invite our ushers down as they get ready to pass communion. I'm going to invite our band onto the stage. And in just a second, I'll dismiss them to pass our communion elements. But Jesus instructed the disciples on the last night of his life before he was crucified, listen, when you really want to remember what I did, don't think about the number of people who made spiritual decisions and don't think about the number of people baptized and don't think about the number of people on mission trips and don't think about how much money you've given away and don't think about parent-child dedications and don't think about serving in your community. When you want to celebrate me, Jesus said, think about the cross. Think about my body that was broken so yours could be healed. Think about my perfect blood that was shed so your imperfect sin could be forgiven. Like when you want to have a moment that's about me, talk about the cross. And that's what communion does. In just a second, I'll pray. Our ushers will pass the elements. Do we have our two-in-one stuff, Brandon? So if you've never taken communion at our church, we have kind of the communion wafer right on top of like the little cup of juice. Um, you might have to fight with it a little bit. Don't swear under your breath. This is a holy moment, but you're going to peel open that, that kind of that first layer. You take the wafer, then you'll peel open the second one. I'm going to ask you to just kind of get your elements ready and then to stop and wait so that we can all take communion together. And then our band is just going to sing a, a little song called Hymn of Heaven. We're just going to celebrate God coming down. And then we're going to celebrate the cross and we're going to say, Jesus, it's been an incredible five years pretty small beginnings, pretty big God who's done some amazing things. And we believe he's just getting started. Amen. So I'm going to pray. Our ushers are going to pass the elements. And then when everyone has been served, um, I'll come back up and lead us to take the Lord's Supper together. God, thank you for Jesus. We are really grateful for what he's done at Journey from this pretty tight, cramped, sometimes very uncomfortable room. You've moved heaven to earth and we thank you for that but you told us when we celebrate you to make it about the cross 
So God, today we celebrate the body of Jesus broken for us, the blood of Jesus shed for us. And God, as we acknowledge you in this moment, Holy Spirit, just come be with us. Settle into this room one more time. And then Lord, don't leave us. As we walk this week and as we open a new space next week, don't leave us. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can pass.